It's Gigi Nori. Tonight we are talking about Tailspire. What is what is Tailspire? You may ask, dear listener. Tailspire is what you see on the screen if you're watching our YouTube channel. If you YouTube Gigi Nori Tailspire, like tail as in telling a tale, and spire as in big pointy thing, you will probably find the episode in our channel if you've not found it so far. There will be a video, unless something catastrophic happens. Although there won't be anything crazy going on in the video, because we're not playing an actual game, uh, we will just be demonstrating a few of the things idly that you can do in Tailspire and what it looks like. Although the quality of Tailspire is actually really good, everything looks pretty, so we're releasing it. It should be 720p, 60fps on YouTube, fingers crossed, but what you see there probably won't look as good as what it looks like in a real game. And here's the thing that also makes this episode kind of funny because if you didn't already get into the beta, you can't play it yet. So you may get hyped, you may get excited, and then you can't do anything about it. You can just watch our future episodes, I suppose, if we release them and see what it's like. Now, like I said, this is the beta and we have no affiliation with the people who made this. We just thought it looked cool. And we've, been, we've played, I think, two sessions so far. Uh, tonight, we've got a few of the guys that have played with us. We've got Stefano, Tim, John, and Mason. And, and we got Stefano. Oh, Stefano, Stefano, you know, potato, potato. The main thing is that he's a dwarf paladin. And the last time we played, he ran around the entire map healing everybody with lay on hands as the dragon was killing them. This was fun. Sorry, so, I missed it. Yeah, it was. It was because good time. he couldn't catch the dragon. Nope, the dragon was very fast and doors are not very fast. So we have been in quarantine, as I'm sure you have as well. So we haven't had our face-to-face -face game. It's been rather depressing because I much prefer face-to-face -face gameplay. So we have done Roll20 in the meantime, and then when we found out about Tailspire, we decided to give it a shot because it was like 20 bucks, it's cheap, it's on Steam, and it will soon be going, well, I say soon, probably not that soon probably months from now, we'll be going into early access on Steam before it becomes widely available. And what is it? It is a virtual tabletop that is meant for... It, it, the reason you want to buy it is because of aesthetics. As you can see, it's very pretty. You've got pretty little minis. You can move the camera around. You can move the minis around. You can lay down all kinds of stuff. But is it integrated with rules? No. Does it do anything other than pretty animations? Like, this is how you attack somebody. I'm attacking Tim's character, Skylagrim. But it, it's not tied to any stats. It's just, an, it's just an animation. And then you do have a place on the character to adjust HP and this kind of thing. But everything is as if you were playing face-to-face -face on a tabletop, but much prettier like you'd bought like thousands of dollars worth of terrain and then set it all up beforehand so that is the short pitch for what tailspire is i have built i probably spent eight hours or so building things like practicing and then actually building stuff that we used in play over two tailspire sessions and um what do you guys think about the experience of playing in Tailspire versus face-to-face -face and then versus Roll20? Well, 
I like the beauty of the terrain for sure. Um, you know, we never really use models and miniatures and stuff. So that's been an interesting experience. And, and being able to see the battlefield has been great. And I will say, bet between, because we've also done Roll20, between Roll20 and Tailspire, it's really helped me with my visualization of what size actually looks like on in the dungeon and how cramped things can be and i don't know it's been it's been a really cool learning experience for me and i wish that we had like a holographic tailspire at our table that would be fantastic like perfect situation yep what do you guys think about it versus like some roll 20 where i have like the, the light blocking and all this kind of stuff well i mean um you know you have a pretty advanced lighting engine in this um considering what it is and if i mean i like this more i think than just straight up vision blocking even though there's kind of some meta knowledge going on there given that i can see like if you don't actively go in there and remove sections of the map technically it's still there um at least the the layout is uh, even though i may not be able to see something because my my character with its torch isn't there um i like that better just from a gaming perspective because i mean that's what i'm used to oh that's really dark yeah yep. you now i can't see anything that, and um, that's how and if you're but, watching the video uh, or if you're not watching the video i just adjusted the darkness to the pretty much the darkest it can get so if you are playing the game your character can't see models like other creatures that are outside line of sight. So it does calculate line of sight, um, but you can still see what I'm showing you right now, which is the layout of the place you're in. So you can see like this bed and this kind of stuff and this faintly see this table over here. So it's as if you were playing face to face and built out the entire structure of the dungeon ahead of time. So players can see that, but you can hide, you can hide tech like terrain. And then you also can hide creatures and objects but it's not feasible at least at the current time to hide rooms so you can't do fog of war in any way and and actually run a game i think that's that's something that i expect will be coming later fog of war i think in the early access and the beta and the really forward to the game that there's there's going to be some way the extra room so you don't have to depend on darkness and torch light yeah i'd appreciate that i mean it kind of still i wasn't exactly sure how it would work when we ran this part of the dungeon that i'm in now because they can see where there are rooms that look like they should be secret rooms but if you build them in like if you build in enough of these like let's say let me turn on the lights a little bit so the blessed youtube viewer can see what i'm talking about uh, but like right here, there's an empty space and you don't know because you can't see what's in it if that's actually a secret room or if it's just empty space in the dungeon. So if you're building stuff in Tailspire, you can use that to your advantage uh, because you don't. the players can spend a lot of time searching for a secret door here, but there just may be nothing. And then you get random encounter checks and yada, yada, yada. So I have a fundamental question because I remember listening to a solo episode from Daniel about um, his preference for providing detailed maps or environment like descriptions. 
Um, in the past, I think you said you don't like the idea of providing that much detail. You like the imagination, the detail, the potential for map making. But here, um, it's a different story. And I know people play like this. A lot of people play like this. But I'm, I'm wondering, um, I'm wondering how you feel about having everything so present, having all the details. It's definitely not. Face. It's definitely not my preference. If I could do it properly, like to fog of war it, I would. But you just can't. I like I tried for two hours to figure out some way to get it working after I already knew how to build, but it's just really difficult to do. And even the aesthetic features, I'm wondering. Like, we have the stone wall texture here. I'm not sure what that's called, but like, I don't know. So sometimes I think the imagination can be either lacking or better um, than what can be presented in like a limited palette. So. Um, I wonder if they're just going to continually add more textures or add options for adding your own. Yeah, they, they said then, that they're going to come up with a thing called Tail Weaver, I think it was, or something like that, uh, where you can import 3D models. So presumably you could export something from, uh, I don't, I don't want to say Hero Forge necessarily, because there might be licensing issues with that. But theoretically, you could do something like that and then export your terrain and uh, minis models into Tailspire, which would be really cool. If they were smart, they would charge you for all this kind of stuff, be like Fortnite or whatever. But I don't know if they'll do that. Uh, I hope they don't for my own wallet's sake, but I, I bet they could earn some decent cash that way. There we go. So I, I'm going on the video, I'm going into build mode occasionally and removing stuff that were uh, incorrect about the map that was incorrect about the map I'm in. It takes nothing about Tailspire right now, and its interface is intuitive at all. Like the way you move, the way you select options, it, it just it takes a couple hours to get used to it. Uh, for even rolling the dice is not intuitive to me. So yeah, it's only for PC also, as one of our dear, list, dear uh, players discovered, unfortunately who doesn't have a PC. But uh, for instance, rolling the dice, you press spacebar and a bunch of dice show up in a tray. But to roll them, you would think you would either just click them once or that you would drag them onto the field, but that's not how it works at all. And instead you click one and they form into a hand and then you drag the hand out into the surface of the gameplay. And then you right click on one of them and can remove them. So once you understand stuff like that, you know, it works just fine. But in general, it exemplifies the unintuitive interface that we've got right now, which hopefully, hopefully they'll improve over time. Yeah, I think they will. I mean, you can't have roll 20 out there and then not try to do some of the stuff roll 20 does when you have a much better looking platform because people who want the functionality of roll 20 are gonna be like well this is pretty but i can't do everything i want to do so i don't know i think they're gonna uh, my my guess is they're gonna release this thing with basics and then just keep adding on and making it more and more complicated maybe selling expansions or something like that yeah i i bet that's what they're gonna do right now it's extremely cheap i mean of course you can't get it right now but a few months ago or a few weeks ago it was extremely cheap for what we got like i am totally ha even if they never improved anything 
I'm not sad that I spent 20 bucks on this. Like, it's fine. I spent probably more on Roll20, and it's, you know, it's, it's a different product, but it's not close to this kind of experience. And you can't really get this experience, I don't think, in any other thing right now, except if you spend a lot of time massaging Tabletop Simulator, which also costs like $20. And it's not built for D&D, specifically. Yeah, I've, I've never played Roll20, but looking at the interface, I'm sure it works really well. But they look deep, a little crust. And then you can... And they have some post-processing that's kind of cool for different visual effects if you want. And another cool thing about this is you can really, if your characters, or if your players, rather, are into screen archery, you can get a lot of nice screenshots. You can zoom in. It's got depth of field and this kind of stuff already built in. Ideally, you'd be able to modify that, but... Uh, it has some cutscene functionality that's kind of basic where you can show your players the default set of like pictures that you take ahead of time and uh, the building the building uh, I would say it, it needs some work let me show you so if you want to build a dungeon the simplest case of building a dungeon you can do on the fly and it's not a big deal like you say you come into a 30 by 30 room or let's say this is a 20 by 20 room, boom, you've got a 20 by 20 room. And if you want to throw a door somewhere, oops, see, there, I clicked and dragged. I shouldn't have clicked and dragged. Let me search for a door. There's the dungeon door. Now, nope, I have to click and drag it here. Okay, now then, get that out of here. Click, and then place. And so if there's a door there, you can clone that, rotate it, door there. And then your players can put their minis on here and go to town, fight goblins, do whatever they need to do. Uh, it is nice that you can interact with the doors and the chests and open and close them. Uh, that's really fun. And I think that also blocks line of sight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but if you want to do anything more than building what I just showed you, you can't just throw down some walls and have it work right. So you have to use a combination of normal wall pieces and corner wall pieces and then you have to decide if you want to use these wall pieces that have a bit of floor attached because all the wall pieces that i've seen are two and a half feet so you do something like this put them down and then you have to switch and put down a corner piece like so and then you can build the room so it doesn't once you know what you're doing and you've done it several times. It doesn't take forever, but it's not exactly just lickety split. So as you can see, I'm talking as I'm doing this, I'm putting down my pieces and it's gonna take me probably a minute maybe. And see, this is already wrong. So it, it would take you a significant and a boring amount of time to be able to fix this one 20 by 20 room up properly and it really shouldn't take that long if what you're trying to do is do something quickly or uh, do it on the fly. So I would still would have to go and change this piece out here in the corner to be a corner piece, rotate it just so, etc. So uh, that part is frustrating, although if you're building it ahead of time, you'll eventually learn the tricks and know how you need to construct it. Like I shouldn't have made it that way. I should have instead put a little piece here, a floor piece, and then put a door on top of that. But there, there's my 20 by 20 room 
with two doors and that's how long it took me to make it. That's with walls. So as long as you don't have walls, Tailspire is super fast and you can do it on the fly and still have pretty minis, have their animations, have lighting, and take nice screenshots. But if you want to build something like this dungeon over here, which by the way, is the east, yeah, the east tower from the Moldvay 1981 basic D&D. And this is the sample adventure. I went ahead and created the other parts of level one that aren't detailed in the module. So this is a two level structure over here, the gatehouse. And there are actually stairs that go up to the second level on each side. The players have not been in here. And then I also made the west tower. So I've in the show notes to this. So go to the show notes page and you will have a link to Tales Bazaar, which is a place where you can copy and paste, like literally copy and paste buildings from the website into your Tailspire game. And it works by, you just go to the website, you hit copy on whatever, uh, they call them slabs, which are just selected pieces. Like it's, it goes like this. So you just click and drag in this dimension and then up in the Z dimension. No, the Y dimension, or I guess this was Y dimension. Uh, and then you've selected it, you control C to copy it. And then when you paste it in a notepad or something like that, it's just a character string. And if you copy that character string and paste it into Tailspire, it will result in what you just saw there. Like that entire slab of the dungeon will just be pasted into whatever you want, which that is a very, 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 very cool application. And uh, when I ran my last game, which I guess I can show you guys, uh, I'll have to switch campaigns, but I don't know that I want to do that. But I just cop. I just looked on Tales Bazaar, found a like marshy kind of area map, and just copied and pasted it into a new board, which is what they call maps. And it took five seconds, and I put a dragon there, and then we played D and D for like two and a half or three hours. So you don't have to build everything yourself if you play Tailspire, because people are going to create all this stuff, and it'll be out there for you just to use in two seconds, which. I, th I don't know if you can do that in Roll20 as easily. I know that you there's like pre-made stuff you can get in Roll20 that you can buy. And I assume there's stuff you can import, but I've been using Roll20 for a while and this was way easier. So, and we had a, a lot, Not I don't think Tim was there for our last game, but everybody else here was. And that was a lot of fun. We had having like 3D terrain with elevation differences uh, made for a really fun fight with a dragon so i was, it was really uh, interesting yeah there was like oh you were using the hedges was that like a, a move that the dragon had yeah is um even though it's the smallest little dragon boy he has because he's in his lair dnd 5e has these things called lair actions which happen at initiative count 20 or basically just like the top of the round each time off his turn and so he can do special effects like put up hedges so uh, I didn't have hedges, so I just looked in the creation tools and Tailspire for like bush, I think it was. Yeah. Get this two by one wow. foliage. And then I just would put down a wall of this stuff. And that you guys that was couldn't get pretty through. dynamic. Yep. Um, to think about that, drawing it on our map, on our table, it'd probably be less exciting or dynamic. Yeah. And it would actually take um, longer because that took me two seconds to just do yeah. right then. 
Yeah, and then also erasing it and then drawing a new one after you've moved it would have been a pain. Yep, for sure. And this is this is precise because you've got precise player locations and hedge locations. It's not dependent on how you draw your lines on a map. Mm -hmm. It's it's all there for you to see. So I think even if even if we didn't, um, we've got some good trees going on. Even if we didn't play an entire campaign inside Tailspire. I think it'd be interesting to hop in the Tailspire just for boss fights or something like that. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you can just prepare special scenarios or one-shots or, like, if you if you end a session, you know your next session is just the middle of another fight, just do the fight in Tailspire if you have players that are, you know, very online and gaming on their PCs anyway. Uh, definitely a good use case for that, for sure. But that's it. Um, on I, the subject of hedges. Yes, um, that was the strength of Tailspire to me was how immersive that felt and how angry I was that you kept killing us with them. <laughs> and, and I don't think that I would have gotten there necessarily as easily as in, in some other mode of playing, particularly remotely. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, it, it makes it more immersive and way easier to follow the action. Like... Having things happen in 3D, like in, well, I guess you would go, yeah, vertically on a on a map is very difficult. Even something as simple as just putting your character up on top of a rock, you have to get, you have to prepare for that. It's not just something you can draw on uh, easily. And it, it doesn't have the same visceral effect that just seeing a dude posted up, you know, 15 feet above you does. And so that happened uh, in our D&D game against the dragon. I think Jim's character... His cleric was up on a, a high place where I couldn't get cover from him, and he was dropping down ranged attacks on me. So that changed my entire strategy, which probably wouldn't have happened if we were just playing face-to-face. -face. That was really fun. Uh, Tailspire, I think verdict so far among all of us is that it's worth a shot when it comes into early access. So follow us along. We'll probably post videos where we play with Tailspire. Uh, either whole sessions or just snippets. And uh, like I said, check the show notes and you can find these three slabs, the East Tower, the Gatehouse, and the West Tower linked to the show notes page. And if you have Tailspire beta, you can plop them into your game and run the Mold Vase Sample Dungeon to your heart's content. Um, and we'll see. I mean, We'll go to roll 20 for the stuff I've already set up, but for this new campaigns that we're doing, which maybe we'll talk about on a future episode. Hey, panel idea, guys. Talk about the level 1 to 20 campaign. That's the thing we're doing. But I don't want to talk about that right now. That's for another episode. That's for the future. Uh, do we have any closing comments here? Or are we just going to tail spire out? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I feel like that's pretty good. Um, I think that I just would echo what you got, what, what what Stefano said earlier about how the hedges coming in and coming out was just super immersive and really drew me in. That was really great. I loved how live it felt. Um, the pressure was different, and that was good. Yep. I, I have a question for you guys who have been playing pen and paper face-to-face -face for a long time. You guys have a lot of minis, but we rarely pull them out and we don't have like a ton of terrain so you could always you know ask the question is it 
is it better or is it just different and enjoyable? Like, is it better to have menus and, and structure and environment? Because I know you guys like drawing maps and like using the imagination and um, being there in your mind. I wonder, you know, what, where do you draw the line? Is this just something extra you'd like to do or is it an evolution of the game that uh, you do or do not have a preference? I think it's a return to tradition because originally it was just a, a skirmish war game with dungeon delving and it was meant for miniatures. So this is not like newfangled in any kind of way. It's just how the game was originally played, but face to face because they would, they would make sure that they had minis for everything. Like they were still kind of war gaming in that way, like 40 K is so We've moved away from that, but this moves back toward it in a way that I kind of like. And for like a mega dungeon, uh, this is probably not feasible from a time investment perspective because it doesn't just scale, like the time you spend building a dungeon here does not scale linearly with the size of the dungeon. Like the more complex the dungeon is, the longer it will take additionally. So you want to use this for smaller areas or do it on the fly with just floors, I think. But uh, I don't think this detracts from how I'd normally run a game in any way, I don't think. It actually might help because it'll keep people more focused, I think, on what's going on because they can see yeah. their own characters and then the characters of the other people. And then you can play with a, a Minotaur who's right here. I like that guy. Uh, and the video, we're, we're showing different monsters that they've got. Uh, Could you build a ton of rooms and use the cut and paste feature to just sort of treat it like a modular thing? Absolutely. And some people are doing that. pretty quickly just stack a bunch of stuff on top of itself. Yeah, if, if I were going to run like a proper dungeon game, like inside a dungeon, that's what I would do. I would just have a big board that off to the left or whatever has a bunch of sample rooms of reasonable sizes 20 by 20 10 by 10 30 by 30 and some weird ones and just pick those up and drop them in and, and then put the minis on there unfortunately so, right now there's no way to select a bunch of minis at once and then move them around as the dm i can't just click and drag and get all your minis if i could that would be extremely easy uh and make that feasible. But right now, I guess you guys would just have to move your characters onto the new, the newly pasted in stuff, which wouldn't be that big a deal. Uh, that begs the question, for me at least, uh, have you experienced any slowdown with entities or objects, like having too much in an, in an environment, like having too many objects slowing the game down, FPS, like that? I haven't. Did you guys experience anything like that? Like, Say that one more time. Sorry. Did you have any lag or anything that you noticed? Um, uh, I did not notice anything in Tailspire with lag. No, everything seemed like it was. I'm wondering smooth, how like, much locally. How much you can load up a level, like an environment? I don't know what you call these. Um, they call them boards. Yeah, I don't know boards. either. Uh, this one is probably as big as you want to go, but I've seen some that are bigger. I've I've copied in like proper full dungeon levels. And I've got a reasonably capable gaming PC, 
and I haven't experienced any lag, any hiccups at all. Like performance has just been really good, not bothering me in the slightest. So I imagine as development continues, that will not get worse. It'll probably just get better. Anyway. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm playing on a laptop, and I didn't really have any issues with lag or anything. I mean, maybe a couple like quick seconds here or there, but nothing to speak of. Yep. Uh, very, very happy with it. I think we're all pretty happy with it so far. Uh, I know they're eventually going to add like underwater stuff so we can see these guys, this cu these Kuatoas in their natural habitats. Uh, but until then, it's going to work for us, I think. And uh, you'll see more of it. GG no re.